0: Hi everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome everybody to today's podcast series. This is part two with Adam Elster, our CEO at Majesco. I am just thrilled to have him back here for a part two. Welcome back,
1: Adam. Thanks, Denise. Thanks for having me back. We had so much fun during the first one. Now, Denise to get annoyed. I'm gonna be like, I want to do this every month. Like so. But <laughs> well, really appreciate okay. you having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you.
0: In the first podcast series, we really kind of talked about you're jumping into this industry, Majesco, and the transformation we've been under, the way the industry's been under. And we've really kind of positioned ourselves and our customers and what we're doing at Majesco to really accelerate change in the industry. When I look at 2023 and beyond, what do you think it looks like for Majesco and for the industry, given everything that's happened? I mean, we've gone through COVID. We are now in an economic downturn. We have a lot of new risks approaching. We've got a shift in customers moving to millennials and Gen Z as the primary buyers. My gosh, we've got new technology. You know, we've got cyber risk. There's a lot of stuff happening and it's exciting.
1: The 23 is incredibly exciting. And look, really happy to be who we are in the market right now. Really incredibly happy to be partnered with a company, with a private equity company like Tomo Bravo, who is fully behind our strategy, our business, excited about what we're doing, really excited to be where we are today. And I think What's been great is the last couple of years, we've really put down some major financial building blocks for the Majesco business. I mean, and that's across PNC, LA and H, and our businesses with Claim Vantage and Utilent with Lost Control, and even what we're going to be doing with Global IQX. So I feel like we've really set ourselves up well with a very diverse portfolio that allows us to really flex with the market as the market's been moving, and we've seen it, the L A and H business is just definitely picking up steam, is. transforming. And the the line I used to hear was there, you know, if PNC was ten years behind financial services, L A is another ten years behind that. That's really picking up even more steam with us. So I'm excited about that. On the PNC side, what we're seeing in 23 is a lot more focus on both adoption and real legacy transformation. Look, a lot of big insurance company picked new core systems for their P&C businesses, but still have very little volume running on those platforms. And you don't have to ask me. You can look at all my competitors. They say the exact same thing. 80% of the volume of the business is still on legacy businesses. And I think 23 and 24 and even 25 are going to be very important for people to really increase the DWP running on these modern platforms, really start focusing more on how do I move some of the legacy businesses over? So I think in the PNC market, that's going to be very important. And the lower tier PNC customers, all of them are realizing time to go to the cloud. So they were a little later in adopting the cloud. We're seeing a lot of that. So I think 23 is going to be great for us as a company we understand all the concerns in the financial industry and the pressure but we're lucky to be a rule of 40 plus where you know we are very profitable so we continue to invest in our technology we have a new spring release of our product development with all kinds of innovation so we are not slowing down investment in the products. We're hiring. You know, we're running a very growing, profitable business that allows us to continue to invest. And I know it's not the same situation with some of our peers who have to take out massive amounts of debt, and we'll probably have to make some financial investment decisions so they can service debt. But we're in a place where that's not an issue for us, and we've been running a very good business, so we'll continue to invest in that diverse set of portfolio, which is going to suit well to what we see is happening in the market in 23.
0: One of the things that you and I talk a lot about and we talk about as a leadership team when we get together for our strategy sessions is really what's happening in the marketplace and some of these big trends how that's reshaping insurance, how it's going to impact insurance and how it's going to influence strategy and growth. But also, then what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us in our products that we bring to the market, what technologies we've got to start looking at, what innovations we've got to look at, but also how do we implement for our customers? How do we upgrade them? And how do we continue to support them? So I've got a few trends here and I'd love to get your perspective on that trend, but also how Majesco is focusing on that to be able to deliver that for customers. So the first one here is delivering value. It's easy to say we're giving you some technology, And you're going to implement the technology. Or it's easy for an insurance company to say, I'm going to give you an insurance product and you're just going to do it. But you've got to start delivering value around whatever that product is. And for us, it's our solutions. And that gets into a long-term partnership. And one of the things that in my career I've always thought of is I hated that word vendor because it never really talked about the real essence of what a partnership is about. And I think that is really a fundamental difference on what we do in delivering value to our customers. Talk about that, Adam.
1: Yeah, it's such a great discussion, the word vendor versus partner, right? And what's interesting about it is people will say technology companies like us use the word partnership to try to close a deal. And we'll say the people we sell to use the word partnership to try to lower the cost of what they need to pay us. And then what happens is everyone starts treating each other like a vendor, (laughs) <laughs> right. So everyone use it in the context that serves their need. But you know what? That's you're not changing that in the world. Right. Mm-mm. But what I will tell you is why it's different in this industry is we sell technology. Technology can do many things. That doesn't mean it provides any value whatsoever. So why it is so important goes back to, you know, discussion we had during the last podcast, Denise, is really understanding the business value of the technology. And that's an element when you fill out an RFP or you do a demo or you do the bake-offs, right? All these things we all do. It's all about features and functions. And honestly, I'm not sure I could tell the difference between my phone and an Android phone or the TV I own and someone else's or one car versus another from a feature and function, but it's how does that align up to their needs? It's partnering with our customers in the sense of, what is the most important thing for you today and for tomorrow? And that is that balancing of short-term with long-term that if I can provide you the right business value to launch this brand new product, I also want it to be agile enough and out of the box and configurable enough that when you believe these next two or three products that are gonna need to be launched next year or the year after, that you can leverage that. And it involves a lot of pushback of saying, I know you wanna do X, but if I do Y, I can serve most of what you need today and most of what you need tomorrow. And that takes partnerships because you have to have honest, open conversations. You got to resist the urge to say, yes, I can do it and say, yes, but what would you think about this? Because I'm trying to be your partner and think about what's next. When I think of partnerships, that's what I think of. I don't think of, I'm going to lower your rate and charge you less money or all that kind of stuff. I think of, I don't want to do something where next year you're going to say, why do I have to pay this again? And I'm going to say, well, it's all new. Or why is this upgrade so hard? Well, you asked to do all these things. We have to be a partner and help people understand that's not going to serve you long term. Let me give you some other ideas. And then it becomes a balancing act. I know you want everything, and you want it tomorrow, and you'll say, if I can't do it, then my product isn't capable. That's not the right way to think about it, and we need to step back and be able to say, I'm trying to protect you longer term because I know your business is going to evolve. And the more we can think in terms of let's change some process, can we make this a configuration and not a customization, it will serve all of us for a long time.
0: You know, one of the other areas is around core policy billing and claims. And it's the essence of, of the business for insurance companies. And it's a big part of our business. You know, a lot of people think about, oh my God, I've got to replace core. That's like rip and replace. And you're, you're just going to do a heart transplant and a liver transplant and a lung transplant all at the same time. And that's pretty risky. We have companies who are doing that, installing the full suite, but they don't necessarily have lots of legacy. They might have an old legacy suite. They're going to replace it with this. In other cases, we've got companies with billing and they've got 20 billing systems and they're trying to consolidate it down to one. And in other cases, they want to go to market with a new product and they want to stand up policy and billing. I mean, the opportunities to kind of rethink how you deal with core is pretty broad and it doesn't always have to be a rip and replace. There's so many different opportunities. Talk about how we're able to do that. And what you have seen our customers take advantage of it, looking at all those different opportunities of replacing core.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because Denise and I had a long running debate for my first six months where I adamantly wanted to kill the word core. (laughs) I did. It it, it made my head hurt. I didn't understand it. Like, I'm like, you can't say core. And we debated that for, I I think it was six months. I think so. I'm not still, I'm still not totally comfortable with it, but I get it. But it is who the industry is to Denise's point. I mean, core to an insurance company is having a policy billing and claim system. It's also core that they have like 20 of them for some reason. So I think the hard part for most insurance companies with that is all of them in their heads know that it's ridiculous to have what they have because they have so many of these different ones. At the same time, when you think very practically, none of them could afford to take five, 10 years out of the industry and stop it all and do a giant replacement. Mm -hmm. And every single person in the industry Loves to tell me the nightmare story of how they spent three hundred million dollars over ten years to try to do that, and it never worked out, and all of this stuff because it doesn't. It's not realistic. I know back in you know my prior life, you know I had customers who told me they're on a you know they're going to migrate off the mainframe, and they only needed a renewal for a year. Those deals lasted ten or fifteen years because they could never do it because it was it was sort of the you know, their heart was wrapped around these systems and you couldn't afford to, to stop. So I think that's what's really interesting is what's interesting now is I think people have lost the energy to do think that they are going to get to a magical world with one suite of one vendor who does policy billing and claims to replace every system they have, every company they buy and every new product they launch. I think the world has come to the realization that as a fool's errand, So I think that's a good thing. Now, that's not to say they need to figure it out, but I think one of the things we try to do when talking to customers is understand what's their realistic strategy. Do you plan to launch a new product to see if it's possible and then launch a series of new products on this platform? Or do you want to take one capability, maybe billing and say, this is something we could do enterprise wide, but we're going to start here And then go here and come up with a very pragmatic approach. So what we're starting to see is, you know, it's definitely easier for customers to launch a new product with a new platform. I would say the other end of the spectrum, it's impossible to go to one system for your entire business. I don't care who you are. You're going to have some product that doesn't fit into that mold. So you're going to be hybrid. So I think it's companies embracing the idea that they're going to have hybrid core systems but understanding what's a realistic journey to get there. Big bang isn't going to work and no one's going to spend half a billion again to get there. So that's not going to work. And we've been kind of taking it in that manner. Maybe it's an enterprise solution for billing that starts with one line of businesses and moves to others. And that's how we're seeing it. It's a little different with the lower tier organizations who might say, let me get rid of some closed books and not worry about those and focus on this. But I think it goes back to what you asked about partnerships. You really have to make sure the companies we work with have defined their three-year, five-year strategy for their business before the technology. I know you want a system, but that's not that important. It's more important understanding what your business focus is, geography, new lines, old lines, expanding states, whatever those are, that's more important to the technology journey than just I want to replace and have one single system. That's a little sophomoric notion. And I think companies are realizing that as they come up with a more pragmatic approach.
0: As more of the companies are dealing with their core and they've implemented some core, at least for some of their lines of business. One of the other areas that is becoming top of mind is distribution. We're seeing a consolidation of agents and brokers out in the marketplace. They're retiring. The agencies are consolidating we're seeing new channels emerging with marketplaces like a bold penguin. You've got embedded insurance that really is a digital kind of capability on top of it. And all of those require solutions to be able to manage agents and brokers because they're not going away. They're sticking around. They're never going away. But shelf space is going to get tougher for insurance companies. And so how they compensate them, how they onboard them how they deal with performance management, all of those things in kind of a distribution management aspect is really, really important, but also allowing your core systems to connect into other channels like the marketplaces or use a digital front end like our digital first to do embedded insurance that links into the policy with an automotive company as an example. We're seeing all of those examples, Adam, and so distributions now kind of raising up to the the top of the list for a lot of companies.
1: It really is, and when you think about it, you know agents are the front line for insurance organizations, right? And whether you have a captive agents or you have the independents, it is the front line. Your ability to provide those agents what they need when they want it in a flexible way and pay them, that's absolutely critical. The only thing worse than going to a meeting with an insurance company on their core system between the heads of IT and the business is if an agent calls them up complaining, like, That sets a fire at organizations quicker than anything, because if you think a salesperson will find a path of least resistance at one of your competitors, that will make you very nervous. So agents very much want a whole new digital experience. And if we think about our daily lives and how much technology has changed our daily lives, look, I interact with the iPhone app for my airline more than their back-end booking system right? Because guess what? I don't have anything to do with that. There's some person who's dealing with that. My experience has everything to do with that front end. So if you're an agent, my ability to do a quote and understand products and be able to send that quote to a customer and a contract and get paid and do billing in a more digital way is critical. And that's where speed counts. That's where if you can't launch new products or adjust your products, They will go on to the next one. An independent agent will do the quote and they have two or three of their favorite insurance companies that will do the back end of it. Whoever is quicker, easier, more dynamic, pays better, pays on time. So distribution is absolutely the tip of the sword. And this is where all the things we are doing with APIs and digital transformation and improving that interaction All of those should translate to the agents who are the front line to all of this.
0: And, you know, from a digital standpoint, when you start talking about that, it's also about the customer. It's about the claimant. It's about a lot of the people that own the insurance companies, whether it's a business owner or it's a consumer. And digital is becoming much more important. It's no longer just an easy portal on the front end. You really have to think about the experience and you have to think about the, the data and the information you have. About that customer and the behavior to be able to make it really easy to issue and to quote, but also just to get the information they need. So we're we're focusing a lot about that. And and that ties into, I think, this whole different Amazon experience that we often talk about.
1: I agree. When I when you think of digital or you think of data and analytics and all these partnerships we have, it's all wrapped up in that overall experience that you have because it is your ability to dynamically work with all of these. Companies is critical. It's what customers want now. By now, everyone assumes insurance companies have a website. Mm-hmm. By now, everyone has sent the email stop sending me the paper policy. I'll take it electronically, or guess what? Never send it to me. Just give me a log on so I look at it if, God forbid, I ever need it. Right. Yep. That sounds crazy. Those things have really only been put in place in the last five years, maybe. I mean, I remember going to the mailbox and being, oh, my God, here's the policy, right? My doesn't fit in my shredder. I hope I don't jam my shredder trying to get rid of this thing, right? Yeah. So we've come a long way as far as removing some of those things around document and our er- interactions. But we really haven't gotten to the business value that you see in your personal life and you log into Amazon it says, hey, Denise, I know you were looking at this by the way, do you still want it? Or have these three other options and you can have it tomorrow. And did you know these other competitors do it? That's value. So again, when you really think about the insurance industry, we're just getting to the point where we should be able to do that. You know, I should be able to log into my insurance company to look at my bill. And they should say, you know, if you change your deductible by X, your bill would go down by Y. Do you want to do it? Click here. Right. Those are the things that we're were not there quite yet. Or I see that your car is five years old. Are you getting a new one? I can help you with that. These are the things that sound really simple to do because you see them in other aspects of your life. But unless you have those core systems and the digital capabilities and unless you have the analytics and all of those things, You can't put those things in place. So a lot of what you're seeing in the insurance industry is pretty fundamental, but it's not new. And that's what excites me about it because other industries have already done it. So it goes back to what I said earlier. It's not about the product. It's not about the widget. It's not about the capability. It can be done. It's about prioritizing that and spending the time to align those strategies because we have the technology that can make all those things possible. Will there be a widget or two someone needs or wants of course that's how life works but those things are all very possible today when you can align strategy and the right partnership so
0: one of the things that we talked about in our first podcast and you've been kind of mentioning it through these topics is data and analytics it's like the hottest topic out there i think for everybody because it's like it's going to be magic it's going to just you know do amazing things but i know from being in this industry my entire career We don't manage data really well as an industry. It is the lifeblood of the industry, but we really haven't really stepped back to say, how do we make sure that we've got the right data and both internally, operationally, but also third party, how do you really create analytics? And that gets to large databases to train the models, what we're able to embed them in core. It's not just a separate thing out there. It's really about embedding it in core and making it intelligent. So talk about data and analytics and where you see the opportunities for the industry in Majesco.
1: Yeah, and this goes back to my comment a minute ago. This is not new. In fact, this might be the oldest area of technology, at least for me personally. When I first got into the software industry, I was running a business around metadata management and data warehousing. Why? Because everyone had these giant mainframe (laughs) AS400 systems, but no one could get data out of it. They were all operational systems. So we had to build all these extracts of the data and in new formats to build all kinds of reporting. And for those of you who are younger than me, it was actual reports. Like you actually printed them and handed them to people physically. And that was all about understanding the business and what was going on. A lot of those concepts are the same things today. How do you take the operational data and provide real business value? You can never stop the operations. So It's foolish to think you won't have these operational core systems, but the ability to leverage that data to actually make meaningful decisions, that's the value. The value isn't that you are able to get the data together and run a report. The value is, does that data tell you something insightful about your business that has you thinking about another strategy or another business decision? And I think the insurance industry, like many before it, are still in the stage of let me get the data out so I could run the report and the report ran, so I am happy, but that's not the business value. The real business value that we haven't really touched on in insurance is, hey, you know what, based on what I'm seeing, you should never insure customer A or customer B, you better make the deductible Y, or you better reinsure this one because here's what we've seen and based on that trend, here's what I'm gonna see in the future. That data exists. You can go into a million stock websites and they'll show you your past performance, market trends, and see the results. Look, the NCAA pool was last (laughs) week. Everyone's brackets got busted. My wife wanted to participate and she's not a fan of the tournament. So I (laughs) logged in and one of the options on Yahoo Sports was auto pick. Auto pick by ranking auto-pick by historical trends. I picked auto-pick by historical trends. Wouldn't you know it? She is number one in our pool with like 40 of my friends. They all can't believe it. And all (laughs) I did was hit auto-pick because you know what? Auto-pick on historical trends is smarter than the rest of us. That is real. That's what happened to my life last weekend. And if you just think about that and what we would be able to do in the insurance industry, if we really get to the next level, I can't even imagine how more profitable the companies would be, how customer experience would be. It would be that much better. It's possible, but we're still in the early stages of being a little too, you know, I would say complacent that the report worked, so we should be happy.
0: I think the other trend is really just technology and cloud. APIs, microservices, all of the real technical stuff from a technical architecture standpoint. And one of the interesting things you and I've talked about and I know I've written about is that insurance companies, yes, they sell insurance, that's their product, but they need to think about themselves as a technology company. Um, Because if they don't think about themselves as a technology company, They're probably not going to be as optimized and have the growth that they really want. So talk about technology and how that really provides that foundation,
1: Adam. Yeah, and it's a tricky one for these companies, right? Because, you know, the business value, you know, there are a lot of people who would tell you, you know, for any company who's not a technology company, you should think of what's the core skill or capabilities of the company, and then what sort of the chores that you need. And I think for too many years, a lot of insurance companies sort of outsourced, The technology component to either outsourcers or, and I know this will probably make some of our partners upset system integrators who became the technology leaders for these companies. But in that way, they kind of limited the evolution of their own technical skills and their ability to leverage technology. While they had great partners and great success of all that, every single company today is a technology company. If you're not thinking about how to leverage technology to run your business, you're already late. I'll tell you what was kind of interesting to me when I was, you know, looking for new opportunities before Majesco. I got calls from some companies in industries I knew nothing about. Yeah, you know, one was in the auto industry and I'm like, I don't know anything about the auto industry. Like it was a little bit like the insurance call. Like I'm not sure like and they were like, "No, no. We want someone who knows nothing about auto industry. We want someone who knows something about technology because we don't know anything about that." And they were one who had outsourced They had no one in technology. They had outsourced the whole thing. But that was more of the trend, right? Well, I'm not going to learn this. I'll just hire good partners, whether they're consultants or outsourcers, to run my business. And now it's it's a huge disadvantage for those companies. So I think the insurance industry has some great talent. I think they got a lot of talent also that knows more about legacy than modern. I think you've seen a huge transformation of their staff in the last several years. Some amazing people being developed to learn new stuff. Great new hires. And I think they're going to be balancing a lot more of that technology capabilities and not just rely a hundred percent on partners. That's a bit of a shift for them. You know, one of the companies we're working with now, we're having a little bit of an issue with our implementation. The challenge is the folks who are running the implementation for the company have never run it. They had outsourced this for 10 years. So when we get into the detail of how do you do this, no offense to them, they actually don't know because they never did it. So you're trying to unravel this with a group of people who are smart and motivated, but they didn't design the system and they haven't been running it. So they're learning at the same time we are. And that's just a real life example of how this transformation works.
0: And I think that really leads into talent. And it's one thing that I know has been your number one thing, you know, within Majesco. It's about the talent that really allows us to do the things that we're doing. And We have seen a big shift in talent due to COVID, the great resignation and the great moving between jobs. And we felt it ourselves. But now the insurance companies are really going to start feeling this because they got a lot of people going into retirement over the next five years. I see a lot of my friends starting to retire. (laughs) And I'm just like, man, there are some companies that are going to 40, 50, 60% of their staff retiring. And there's going to be a fight for talent even tighter in there. And that's going to be a real impact. But it's also an opportunity because we've seen recently lots of layoffs at some of these big tech companies. So talk about why insurance is a great place for people to come and work, to retain that talent, and to bring in new talent from an outside-in thinking perspective, Adam.
1: Look, the last 10, 15 years has been really hard competition for technical talent, right? Right. It's been competition because there's been so many technology companies that have raised so much money and grown so wildly. You look at the big techs whose headcounts have doubled or tripled in the last 10 years, you know, you're competing with that talent. Now, when you see what's happening in the market, you realize, look, some of these companies have been around, I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years And these are the big tech companies. We all know their names and when they started. You look at the insurance companies. I mean, you're talking about companies that have been around for 100, 150 years. So part of that resilience of the market is thinking, look, do I want to work for a company who needs to worry about funding, who's been around for five or 10 years? Or do I need to think about, look, the long-term sustainability of major companies that have been around for years and years and having a bigger contribution. So I think this time is one where, we all need to improve our own personal skills. We all need to find the next generation of talent and balancing, you know, investing in modern technology whether you're working at a Google or a Facebook or a brand new startup or working for a company that's a multi-billion dollar company that's been around for 150 years, all of a sudden stability, profit, longevity has more importance than probably it did even 6 months ago. Yep,
0: yeah, I couldn't agree more. So as we kind of begin to wrap up here, when we think about all that we have talking about the last two podcasts, in particular, this one about the trends, what's your big, bold prediction for industry leaders for 2030, Adam?
1: For the insurance industry? Yep. I don't think as much is going to change in their business model as people expect. I think the way you deal with insurance companies and how they operate will be vastly different. But I think the fundamental principles of the insurance industry of providing risk management, providing people with a service so they feel confident that they are protected whatever situation they get to, I actually don't think that's really going to change. And it's a little bit of a bold prediction because I'm sure there are people who say, hey, you know, you're never going to talk to an insurance company again. You'll never meet an agent again. You'll just go on your iPhone. Everything will be embedded. You'll buy it through Amazon. It'll all be digital. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think people predicted those things with banking too, and banks never went away, right? Well, some have gone away in the last couple of weeks, but you know, in general, I think my bolder prediction is I think the insurance industry is alive and well and not going anywhere. And the thing that made insurance company great for years and years, that stability, that ability to manage risk, I actually don't think that's going to change. So I do think your experience will change. I think their operating cadence will change. But I think my bold prediction is more is going to be like it is today in 10 years than people probably expect. And these crazy notions of, I'm going to fly something over my house, and then I'll get my quote for my house, and it'll be a click on Amazon. I think it's all just widgets. And I I don't think that's the way the industry is going to run by 2030.
0: As I end here, I have a question that I ask everybody and not to put the pressure on you, Adam, but I've only had three or four duplicates in all the podcasts we have done. So if you could use one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why?
1: Resilient.
0: It's a new one.
1: There you go. And it ties into what I just said. What's amazing about the insurance industry and why I believe some of the transformation hasn't happened with technology is they have amazingly resilient Businesses. In general, most insurance companies we have have incredible customer retention rates. People don't change their insurance. I I looked at mine when I started. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't changed mine since I was 18 years old. Right. And I'm a little older than that today. And you know what? These companies are still very focused on their customers, retaining their customers, providing value. They all might not be incredibly profitable, but they have a ton of cash. So I feel good at night when I go to bed that if there was an issue, They could pay the claim. I'm not worried that they are in some crazy financial situation. So whenever you look at a business or an industry who's resilient, look, customers stay with you. You have a lot of cash. That can get you through a long period of time. And I think that resilience is what's gotten the industry to be where they are today. And while there's tons of room to improve, like I said, the businesses are alive and well. No one's, you know, I was looking at a customer, we're a little worried. Hey, maybe this customer will go out of business. Their stock price is X. The stock price is Y. I'm talking to the CEO, they're so not worried because their customers aren't leaving them. They have plenty of cash. They look at it like a bump in the road and they're thinking long term about the health of their business. And when I align that with the fact that I haven't changed my insurance company since I was 18 years old, you know what? These businesses are going to be pretty resilient. And I think for me, That's the future of insurance. I think it's gonna be resilient. I think it's not gonna change as wildly as people think in any short period of time because they don't need to. And part of us don't want them to because it would create more risk. And fundamentally, they're all about risk management. But I do believe we are seeing an acceleration of people looking at us and the leading Majesco technology that we have across all these areas is how they can deliver more value, move quicker. And they might not be moving at the speed of other industries, but they don't need to move at that speed. But they need to be more dynamic, more agile. And all the technologies that we have and that we're working with them will enable them to meet those needs. But I think they're going to be around for a long time. And it's a business and an industry that has lots of room for improvement, but that's lots of opportunity for us, for them. And it makes me excited about it.
0: Well, I love the word resilience, Adam, because it truly is. And it's the resilience that allows us to really underpin economies, businesses, and for businesses just to operate,
1: period. Look, it's, Maj- it's Majesco, right? What I always say, and you know, in all the company town halls or all the messaging, look, it's not about what we do just tomorrow. It's about all the things we did for the last 40 years that yep. made Majesco who they are. And, and it's about balance. How do I balance the things that made us great for years? with the new trends in the market. I think that's the same with the insurance industry. You got to balance long-term, short-term, day-to-day with strategic and innovation. You do those things, you invest in your people, hire new people to evolve. It helps that business become resilient and deal with the waves, whether financial, industry, market, you build a resilient business, you'll be able to deal with any wave that hits you.
0: Well, thanks, Adam, for all of your insights. It's been a fun ride for the last four years. I'm looking forward to the, next, to the next many years ahead and all that we're going to be doing with our customers, with our partners, and in the industry. There's a lot of opportunity there. It's a great time to be part of Majesco.
1: Awesome, Denise. Really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks, Adam. Have a great day. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our Market Leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.